This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Welcome aboard. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. And indeed, indeed, Pope Innocent III proved to be a dynamic personality. He was elected in January of 1198 A.D., only 37 years of age. He proved to be a personality at the center of the European stage, and he appeared as the dominant individual in Europe, kind of like a personality cult that developed around him. And by deliberate and careful exploitation of languages and images, he created an ideal status for the papacy, which made it supreme above everyone else. The Pope became the vicar of Christ, exercising Christ's powers as Lord not only of the church, but of the whole world. The priest-king Melchizedek, whose person combined spiritual and temporal functions, And today on Viewpoint, we find just how far that has gone and to what extent it will go. I'm glad that you have joined us. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And this weekend, we have heard a very, very significant piece of news. A very significant piece of news that actually has tremendous influence to affect the whole world. Regarding the papacy, regarding a pope, regarding Pope Francis. And indeed, when Pope Francis fired a bishop in Texas, he made a statement that is echoing now around the world, in fact, so much around the world that the Russian Times has reported upon it. Why would the Russian Times report upon it? Well, Perhaps it's because one writer said this is total war. Francis is a clear and present danger not only to Catholics the world over, but also to the whole world. In what sense? Well, here's what the Russian Times has to say about it. The American prelate had criticized the pontiff as being too liberal on divorce, abortion, and same-sex marriage. The Texas bishop, Joseph Strickland, a prominent figure among traditionalist American Catholics and a critic of Pope Francis for making the church more welcome to the LGBTQ community, was removed from his post as Bishop of Tyler in Texas, the Vatican said. In a statement released on Saturday, the Vatican confirmed that the decision followed an apostolic visitation ordered by the Pope. The Vatican News said, that Bishop Strickland was asked to resign last Thursday, but that request was declined by the bishop, so Pope Francis ordered him removed. Strickland had repeatedly criticized the Pope's liberal position on issues such as transgender rights and the same-sex marriage and accused the Pope of undermining the deposit of faith. In other words, undermining the faith once delivered to the saints. Last August... Pope Francis blasted the so-called backwardness of conservative bishops, accusing them of replacing faith with ideology and saying that a correct understanding of Catholic doctrine allows for change over time. In other words, the scripture that says God never changes 
and that his word endures for yet forever. The grass withers, the, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. The Pope said not so much. No, it's under the total jurisdiction and will of the papacy. So the Catholic community was outraged by Strickland's dismissal and some calling the Pope a dictator. Like a Soviet-era dictator, in a raw exercise of power without provision of law, Pope Francis has removed Bishop Joseph Strickland. The Lepanto Institute, a Virginia-based organization dedicated to the defense of the Catholic Church, wrote, Others accused the Church of tyranny and called Strickland's removal a cowardly form of authoritarianism. We're talking here, friends, about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 17, where a woman rides the beast. A woman rides the beast. And indeed, we're seeing with the uh, uh, stepping up of Pope Francis as the finer arbiter of truth, even above Christ himself, standing as the vicar of Christ, becoming, in effect, Christ himself, the Pope then has the right, the ability, and the authority not only to override the word of God, but to rule over the children of men. Are you listening? Welcome to Viewpoint. Again, I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today on Viewpoint, we are talking about something that is of severe interest, should be of severe interest, and uh, uh, something that we all should care a great deal about. So let's take a look at uh, some of the facts regarding this uh, firing of the dear Bishop uh, Strickland. Where should we start? It's all over the world, friends. It's all over the world. Michael J. Matt, editor of the traditionalist newspaper, The Remnant, wrote, with the firing of Francis, was actively trying to bury fidelity to the Church of Jesus Christ. He said, this is total war. Francis is a clear and present danger, not only to Catholics the world over, but also to the whole world. Now, how could it be to the whole world if, from the position of the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope only has jurisdiction over the Church? It's, friends, because the Pope doesn't have just jurisdiction over the Church, according to Catholic doctrine. He also has jurisdiction over the Vatican, And the Vatican is a secular state ruled by a so-called spiritual leader who arrogates his power, his authority over that of Christ himself, and thereby institutes and declares his authority over the entire secular world and the nations of the world. This is the pattern and the history of, of the Roman Catholic Church and its papacy. For those of you who are have been raised in the Roman Catholic Church, I'm not talking about you, and I'm not talking to you in particular. Because most do not understand the history of the Roman Catholic Church. Most do not understand the history of the papacy. Most do not understand the arrogance with which 
the papacy has viewed humanity not just in a spiritual sense, but also in a political sense. We're talking today about the culmination of history and biblical prophecy. It's coming together right before our eyes, and this decision by Pope Francis to remove Bishop Strickland from his uh, role there in Texas is severe. It severely reveals the attitude and dimension of Pope Francis and his view of the world. And friends, it's not over yet. He's prepared to go to Dubai now and exercise that authority there over the nations of the world. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Pope Francis had declared total war, said one writer, editor of the traditionalist newspaper, The Remnant, within the Catholic Church. He said, Pope Francis is actively trying to bury fidelity to the Church of Jesus Christ. In other words, to the Word of God. This is total war, he said. A clear and present danger, not only to Catholics the world over, but also to the whole world itself. Do not take these words idly, my friends. You don't have to be a Roman Catholic or having been raised in the Roman Catholic Church to have some sense about the dynamics that are here and the importance. But if you are and have been raised in the Roman Catholic Church or still are uh, active within the Catholic Church, then I suggest that you listen very, very carefully. Because you are going to have to make a choice. If you have not already made it, you're going to have to make a choice very soon. In fact, the whole world is going to have to make a choice and is being compelled into that choice by the Pope himself. As we shall see when, at the end of this month, he meets with the world leaders in Dubai. Bishop Strickland has been at odds with Pope Francis far-left changes and pronouncements, some of which directly contradict the ancient faith of core Christian beliefs, both Christian by both Catholic and Protestant, by the way. Recently, Francis has suggested that priests can bless same-sex unions, even though the Church has long held that any sexual relations outside of marriage is sinful. It's not just the Church that has held that, friends. That's what the Bible declares. The church only picks up, the Catholic church only picks up what the Bible has said. The Protestant church only should be picking up what God has said, not what man thinks about what God has said. But this week, the Vatican indicated transgender individuals could be baptized and served as godparents. Strickland had become one of the most vocal standard bearers of U.S. church conservatives, that is, within the Catholic church, 
and has a national following far beyond the small diocese of Tyler, Texas. Strickland had strongly criticized President Biden and the Democrat Party for their push for abortion rights, making him a hero for traditional U.S. Catholic media outlets. Last year, when the Vatican defrocked the leading U.S. pro-life priest, uh, Father Frank Pavone, claiming he was guilty of blasphemous social media posts and disobedience to bishops, Strickland was one of the very few U.S. bishops to defend him publicly and stand, in essence, against the Pope. He said, the blasphemy is that this holy priest is canceled while an evil president, referring to Joe Biden, promotes the denial of truth and the murder of the unborn at every turn. Vatican officials promote immorality and denial of the deposit of faith and priests promote gender confusion, devastating lives. It is evil, wrote Strickland. Francis now moved has moved aggressively against cardinals, bishops, and priests who have challenged his far-left statements and changes to Catholic teachings. Cardinal Gerhard Müller, former head of the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, has openly criticized Francis and stated that he has already uttered plenty of material heresies. Material heresies. Now, these are charges that are being made against Christ in the flesh. Well, the vicar of Christ, who claims to be Christ in the flesh, stands in the place of Christ for the word of Christ. And obviously that is not true. So there's something very, very dramatic that is taking place, and it's been moving into position now for some period of time. In fact, for a thousand years it's been moving into position. Following Pope Francis' announcement that Bishop Joseph Strickland would be removed from his duties in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of St. Mary in Astana, Kazakhstan, released a statement accusing the Vatican of taking part in a purge of traditionalists. In other words, purging those who were standing for biblical truth from the Roman Catholic Church. He said the deposition or removal of Bishop Strickland signifies a black day for the Catholic Church. Schneider wrote, calling it a blatant injustice toward a bishop who preached and defended the Catholic faith. In other words, who preached and defended the faith once delivered to the saints, so to speak, except for those things which Protestants may disagree with, with regard to uh, faith and faith alone. The accusations brought against him, said this uh, bishop, were used as a welcome opportunity to silence an uncomfortable prophetic voice within the church. An uncomfortable prophetic voice within the church. So this bishop in Kazakhstan is saying that uh, Schneider, excuse me, that uh, Strickland in Texas was a prophetic voice seeking to woo and to warn professing Christians within the Roman Catholic Church of the danger that lay ahead through the papacy that was arrogating itself to supersede the God of creation. Meanwhile, 
says Schneider, several bishops who publicly support heresy, liturgical abuses, gender ideology, and openly invite their priests to bless same-sex couples are not the least importuned or sanctioned by the Holy See. Strickland is not being persecuted by a secular power, but incredibly by the Pope himself, Schneider said. That there seems to be a purge of bishops, faithful to the immutable Catholic faith and the apostolic discipline. The word immutable means unchangeable. Now, whether you want to use the adjective Catholic in terms of this discussion, let's remove the word Catholic and just say faithful to the immutable faith of the Bible. Immutable means unchangeable. But this Pope says the word of God is changeable. Therefore, what he is in effect saying that God himself has changed his mind. Because the God who said the word of God is unchangeable, saying the the grass withers, the, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. And the God who says, I change not, now, apparently, according to the authority of Pope Francis, or the alleged authority or purported authority of Pope Francis, declares that isn't true. In other words, everything is subject to change. All we have to do is get rid of the voices who don't like the change. It sounds an awful lot, friends, doesn't it, like cancel culture? Isn't that what's happening within the Catholic Church? It's also happening within the Protestant Church. But in the Protestant Church, there isn't just one authority who purports to stand as the vicar of Christ to govern, declare, and rule as a uh, despotic authoritarian over the entire Protestant Church. But within the Roman Catholic Church, that is not true. And that's the reason, friends, why the papacy has such apparent authority within the entire secular world. And that brings us, that brings us to something that perhaps you may not have wanted to know about. In the 1990s, unusual biblical symbolism began to appear throughout Europe. Britain issued a stamp to commemorate the European Parliament's elections. The stamp depicted a woman riding a beast. Paintings and statues of the woman and the beast appeared in official Brussels circles and on a poster. In fact, a mural of the woman and the beast even decorated the Brussels airport lounge. The woman on the beast is now the official picture of the EU, that's the European Union, according to Reverend Dr. Ian Paisley, a Northern Ireland minister, who was also a member of both the Westminster and European parliaments. He said that when the multi-billion dollar new parliament building in Brussels, Belgium, was completed, at the end of where the parliament meets is a dome. On the dome is a colossal painting three times life-size of the woman riding the beast. In Strasbourg, France, the rival new headquarters of the parliament designed like the Tower of Babel is a painting of a naked woman riding the beast. When designs for the new euro coin were unveiled, there was the woman riding the beast on the back of the Greek euro coin. In 1992, the year the Lord spoke to my heart 
as a trial attorney in Southern California, after 18 years of practice, I would practice for two more years after that, after 18 years of practice, said, son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause in the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour here on the near edge of the second coming. If you go back in history to the years 1992 and 93, you will find they were the fulcrum years that turned the entire tide, not only in the United States, but around the world, toward the fulfillment, the final fulfillment of biblical prophecy, including the woman riding the beast. In 1992, a German ECU coin was issued showing Europa and the beast. In the new Brussels building of the Council of Europe is a bronze statue of the woman riding the beast. A United United Airlines seat pocket magazine contained this headline in German. Good morning, Europe. And the article began with these words. This May, a daring picture appeared on the cover of Der Spiegel, one of Europe's most prestigious news magazines. A pitch-black bull, horns lowered, charging straight at the reader. On its back sat a young woman draped in dark blue cloth and waving the blue flag of a united Europe. The cover was a delight for European readers since... The woman was the very popular French supermodel, Letitia Casto, who has also been selected as the Marianne 2000 in France. That is the feminine personification of the French Revolution. Friends, we're looking at a revolution, a spiritual revolution all over the world, and particularly in the Western world. Why the Western world? Because it is the Western world that is being moved very quickly into a resurrected Roman Empire. The reformation of the Roman Empire, the form of NATO, to be headed by the papacy. That is the quasi-spiritual leader that is being used or abused, however you might look at it, by the secular leaders who are godless in order to gain the affection of the largest number of quasi-religious people in the world to embrace this new global world order. One of three. So that's where we are, friends. Now, in order to understand a little bit more about this beast of blasphemy, the woman that rides the beast and the beast of blasphemy, I urge you to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle, for it is said that he who rules the temple mount rules the world. And you're going to see before we're over here today that this has everything and leads to the temple mount. That may be shocking to you, but it does. It leads to the temple mount. And what we do on this program is connect the dots so that we don't just take isolated different developments out there and look at them as isolated developments that have no interconnection. They do have an interconnection, and we're going to display that here on the program today. Now, if you were to look at Revelation 17 and 18, they're two of probably the most explicit prophetic chapters of the Bible. They also might be the most dramatic because the sheer scope of their historical applications and prophetic implications is, I guess you'd have to say, breathtaking as well as heartrending. 
You see, God despises whoredom. In other words, where somebody gives up that which is dear in order to gain something else that they want. So when a woman engages in whoredom, harlotry, or prostitution, she gives up something which is dear to her in order to get something that isn't so dear, that is money. When the Roman Catholic Church forfeits its authority under God to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ in favor of trying to gain political power to rule the world, she has committed whoredom. Are you listening? Read Revelation 17 and you'll discover how horrible this is. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. There is tribulation, and then there's a great tribulation. There are whores all over the world, and then there is a great whore, as described by the Bible. In Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 to 2, no other spiritual monstrosity compares to the prostitution of this great whore. And the Bible says she sits on many waters. In other words, has worldwide power and significance. The sheer magnitude of her influence and those with whom she has prostituted herself are global. Both the kings and political power brokers of the earth, as well as the world common, world's common inhabitants, are dramatically affected by her spiritual fornication and have become, in one way or another, complicit in it. And that's why the Bible says, Come out of her, my people. Whether you realized it or not, you now do. And when you read Revelation 17 again, it will unmistakably pierce your heart. The great whore of Revelation 17 is arrayed in purple and scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. She's the mother of harlots not content with her own prostituted life, but seeks to birth others who will likewise prostitute themselves so she can bring them under her mothering wings. And so she's called the mother of harlots. The mother of harlots. The mother of harlots fiercely protects her global prostitution ring and will brook no opposition, even if it comes 
from a bishop within the Roman Catholic Church. Or many bishops, they have to be purged. Because true saints can't be tolerated, since the true gospel light of their lives shines into the dark corner, revealing the shocking spiritual debauchery that's characterizing the great whore's prostitution system. So, she's a great mystery. The political leaders and peoples of the planet stand in amazement with great admiration at her immense earthly power and glory. They long for her prosperity and lust for power, and the whore needs them, but they need her. Can that brothel relationship persist indefinitely, or will one prevail? Ah, that's a big question. And the answer to that question you will find as you read Revelation chapter 17. I hope you'll do that. You see, the spirit and purpose of this beast that carries the woman, which is the harlot, the great whore, is not only secular, but in a serious rebellion against God, having declared evolution as the creator, so as to vacate all vestiges of divine dominion. Did you know that the Pope has declared evolution to be the real truth concerning the existence of humankind? So all who truly submit to the God of creation in obedience to his word and commandments and who walk faithfully in the spirit and truth of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, are going to be seriously persecuted, just like they were in ancient Rome in the peace war of the Lamb. So Jesus said, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I think I'm getting a call from Satan here. Don't talk anymore about this. (laughs) In any event, the mushrooming power of this beast and of the ten horns from whence it receives power are inadequate by themselves to fully convince the world's citizens of the great glory and authenticity of their enterprise. So once again, as with ancient Rome, (coughs) so it is with the final emerging global Rome. The power of the secular is seen as insufficient to reach the world. So a religious power has to be embraced. And they will accomplish global dominion together. The woman, drunken with the blood of the saints, will ride the beast, out of which partnership she hopes to gain preeminence to become king of the mountain, to rule and reign from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Well, you're going to have to read the book King of the Mountain to get further insight into that, my friends, the eternal epic end-time battle. It is a $20 book, yours for $10, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right. So let's talk a little bit about... <clears throat> where this leads to Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, and where it also affects what's happening, the Pope's response to what has happened with the attack of Hamas upon Israel. 
This article was written in 2014. Nine years ago. Listen to it carefully. One of the most prophetic events of 2014 happened in late May. It was Pope Francis' visit to Jerusalem. On May 24th through 26th, though most people were unaware of it, this visit was extremely momentous. It shed light on the future of Europe and of the world and showed us where we are in biblical prophecy. The Pope's visit took place amid some very disturbing acts of anti-Semitism in Europe. Does that sound familiar now? Israeli Knesset member Dov Lipman warned, make no mistake about it, there is a direct connection between the way European leaders speak about Israel and the rise in anti-Semitism. On May 26th, the World Jewish Congress released this statement about Europe's rising political extremism. Here it is. The future of European Jewry is at stake. Right now, friends, all across Europe, the leaders of Europe are frantic because they see how explosive anti-Semitism has become in Europe. The, the area of the world that said never again is now reinstituting anti-Semitism of a virulent form. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Foreign Minister Avignor Lieberman back in 2014 said these events are happening because of noxious anti-Jewish sentiments and statements spreading all over Europe. People looking only to the surface would view the Pope's visit as a sign of his support for Israel. But in reality, he was much more closely connected with the anti-Jewish attitudes simmering in Europe. (coughs) Why is that? Because the Pope was trying to win followers in Europe. In fact, he's trying to win followers everywhere. (coughs) Excuse me, not for the gospel, but for the glory of the papacy. The Pope did not fly straight to Israel for his visit to the Middle East. Instead, he flew to Jordan on May 24th. He spent most of the next day in the Palestinian territories. It's significant that he visited the Palestinians first, not Israel. And it was there that he made the most eye-catching and significant move of his visit to the Holy Land. In between scheduled engagements, the Pope ordered his motorcade to make an unexpected stop at Bethlehem. He got out of his Pope-mobile and made his way to a section of Israel's security wall. This is an often photographed section of the wall with heavy graffiti that compares Palestinian Bethlehem to the Jewish Warsaw Ghetto. Near a spot where someone had very recently sprayed the words Free Palestine, the Pope touched the wall and began to pray. Of course, cameras were everywhere capturing the moment. So why would the Pope want to have a photo op there? This man took the eyes of the world and put them on this wall with the words, Free Palestine Graffiti. The Jews had invited Pope Francis to Jerusalem. They were hoping he would use his power of symbolism to create a big photo op at their holiest site, the Wailing Wall. But it was this security wall outside Bethlehem that got all the publicity. Carolyn Glick, who is a uh, renowned author and commentator there in Israel, 
wrote in the Jerusalem Post on May 28 these words. And Francis ought to know this. Decision to hold a photo op at the security barrier was an act of extreme hostility against Israel and the Jewish people. It had nothing to do with religion, with Catholic doctrine or Catholic people, but it had everything to do with political dictatorship. The Pope knows how to use symbolism. This is the symbol he created to show the world. He created a photo op at that place for all it symbolized, a symbol of division. On his trip to Bethlehem with Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas, the Pope made a prepared statement referring to the, quote, state of Palestine, quote, which doesn't exist, by the way, and to Abbas's office as the, quote, presidential palace, unquote. Abbas is a chairman, is chairman of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLO, head of the Fatah political party, created a Palestinian union government with Hamas. Yet the Pope apparently saw no problem with Hamas, Hamas uh, allying with this bloody group, calling him, quote, a man of peace and a peacemaker, unquote. On top of that, Francis embraced the Palestinian mufti, of Jerusalem, departing from his scripted remarks, which called for the Pope to refer to the Mufti and his associates as dear friends, Francis called them his dear brothers. Who is this Sheikh Mohammed Hussein? Well, in 2012, Hussein said it was the destiny of Muslims to kill Jews, who he claims are subhuman beasts and the enemies of Allah. Such people are the Pope's Dear brothers, so said Francis. The Pope, whom so many millions view as peaceful religious man, don't condemn, didn't condemn any of this when he was right there among these people so full of hate. He only increased their stature. Why? How could a man with, such, with normal human affection cozy up to people whose greatest passion is to wipe the Jews off the map? That's what a political dictator with fearsome power would do, isn't it? We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. The words that we've been sharing excise from a, a very lengthy article in 2014 are from nine years ago. But you can see how they have import for today, this very moment. 
because Pope Francis is interjecting himself once again in favor of Islam, in favor of the Palestinians, in an effort to try to unite liberalized Europe and liberalized America to join his great whore that he heads. Why? Because he is seeking to unite as many people as possible as mother of harlots to come under his authority and jurisdiction so that he will have the power and authority to touch the secular world leaders, i.e. Joe Biden, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, and so on, to unite the resurrected Roman Empire of the West in a one world order over which he believes he will end up ruling from the Temple Mount. Now, I'm distilling a whole lot here on Viewpoint Today, and if you want to understand more about this, I will urge you to go to my book, King of the Mountain. Again, it is a $20 book, uh, yours for $10. We're just trying to get the message out as quickly as we possibly can. That's why we reduce the price so dramatically. We want to get the message out, and this will help you to understand the breadth of the issue that we're facing. And it's not all about the papacy. That's just a couple of chapters. When you read this book, you're going to have progressive aha moments. Oh, that's what this is about. That's why these things are happening. This is where it's going. Yeah, you will. It's on our website, saveus.org, King of the Mountain, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, the great whore, symbolically described as Babylon the Great, the woman that rides the beast, where the kings of the earth have committed fornication and lived deliciously to her, and she's going to be destroyed. Because the religious, the secular leaders don't want to have any religious authority over them. So the Pope may think he's ultimately going to rule and reign on the Temple Mount, but the secular leaders don't want to have it. They're using him as great as he thinks he is as the alleged vicar of Christ, They are using him to gain the ultimate authority so that ultimately they will rule and reign without any hint of godliness whatsoever. Now, that having been said, we go to this article from Reuters today. Pope Francis will have nearly an entire day of bilateral meetings with world leaders attending this uh, COP28 climate conference in Dubai next month. According to the Vatican, it will be the first time in his papacy that the Pope, who is also a head of state, notice, not just head of the church, head of state, has so many high-level one-on-one meetings with counterparts and others in such a short 
amount of time. Now, why is he doing that? He's doing that, friends, to unite the secular world under the mothering wings of the great harlot to realize how wonderful he and they and their viewpoints coincide. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with the authority of the scriptures. It has to do with his authority creating a whole new, uh, shall we say, realm of sins, having negated and ruled against the sins described in the Bible of adultery, fornication, homosexuality, and so on. He now is creating new sins that uh, is of CO2 emissions, so he wants to choreograph the secular world as a spiritual leader. He comes as a spiritual leader, but not really. He's coming as a secular leader of the state of the Vatican. But it confuses the world leaders because they see him as a spiritual leader. It's going to be the first time a pontiff has been at the U.N. climate meeting since they began in 1995, the year this program began. Now, what else is going on in Dubai? Well, this is the place where the Pope, Francis, has decided to build three great structures for the uniting of the three supposedly great religions of the world. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Each has their own building. And all of this is under the auspices and direction of the papacy. Why would he do that? Because his goal, my friends, is to unite the world under the mothering wings of the great harlot. Read Revelation 17. This is no longer a mystery. It is no wonder that a writer on behalf of the Roman Catholic Church said, this is total war. Francis is a clear and present danger not only to Catholics the world over, but also to the whole world. It has to do with something called papal supremacy. Perhaps you've heard the term. The Pope was not always deemed to be the supreme ruler of the world, nor was a Pope always deemed to be the ruler of the Roman Catholic Church or the Vatican. In fact, there were no real Popes as we understand it for about 300 years, three or 400 years after for the birth of the early church. But gradually, gradually over time, the Bishop of Rome came into observable power and took over the power of the Roman Emperor. So the Pope then became, in essence, a religious version of the Roman emperor. 
He merged secular power and religious power. Remember, the Roman emperors were declared gods to be worshipped, but they were also the secular rulers. Well, the same happened with regard to the Roman Catholic Church, headed up by the Bishop of Rome. And increasingly, over time, that power was increased because absolute power brooks no opposition. Now, what is fascinating is that Time magazine made this observation. And here was the context of it. Tony Blair, who was once the Prime Minister of Britain, the UK, on May 29, 2008, he declared, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to uniting the religions of the world. He said, faith is a part of our future, an essential part of making globalization work. He said, faith could be civilized, the civilizing fourth in globalization. So what did he do? The year before he declared that, he converted to Catholicism. After meeting numerous times with the Pope. So then... Only then did he formally declare his Tony Blair Faith Foundation. He declared, into this new world comes the force of religious faith. His goal was to bring the six leading faiths together, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Sikh, and Jewish. He said, this is a quote, religion is the new politics. He declared the new Catholic convertee, That is, religious faith will be the same significance to the 21st century as political ideology was to the 20th century. So, Time magazine, in commenting on that, said this. He converted to Catholicism to fully share his family's faith, but Tony Blair plainly enjoys being part of a worldwide community with shared value traditions and rituals. In a sense, observed Time magazine, here's a quote, the Catholic Church has long embodied the attributes of globalization that now engage Blair, unquote. So it's that rising spirit of globalism that's compelling and profoundly deceptive, and it's drawing business and corporate leaders, political leaders, spiritual leaders, yes, even professed Christian leaders and Protestants of every stripe. It's become the in thing. Religion, the new politics, that's what the Pope believes. So he's going to redefine the religion, the faith once delivered to the saints, in such a way as to conform to the desires and expectations of a godless world, a liberalized godless world that wants the feelings of being religious, but doesn't want the authority of the scriptures. Are you listening? That's where we are Today. Can you understand then why God says, come out of her, my people? Come out of her, my people? Now, <clears throat> let's talk about 
one additional aspect here, if I can find. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about one additional aspect here concerning what I call in the book, King of the Mountain, the eternal city versus the holy city. Rome has been referred to as the eternal city. Jerusalem has been called the holy city. Right? So, with that understanding, God said he chose Jerusalem as the place to put his name there. Did you know that? And he chose the Temple Mount as the place, the epicenter of where he chose to put his name and caused his only son, the Savior of the world, to be crucified there. And now, the Pope wants to rule from there. In fact, the Vatican demands the Temple Mount to be placed under the Pope's rule. So these two cities, the Eternal City and the Holy City, are in consummate conflict right now. It's like a whole new book that could be written by Charles Dickens, The Tale of Two Cities. It's almost impossible to comprehend the greater panoply of history or the prophetic word without delving delving into this dangerous, even diabolical tale, pitting these two great, famous, or infamous cities against each other. But that's what's happening. And the Pope is at the center of it. I urge you to get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain, because a chapter called Eternal City versus the Holy City is going to help you understand how serious the papacy is about ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Not from the Vatican, but from Jerusalem. Why? Because the Pope wants to claim Godhood as if he doesn't already as the Vicar of Christ. A seat for the Pope at King David's tomb? Israel National News announced that. What are you to understand from all this? Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. $10 on our website, saveus.org. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.